0: So, if you like to be off or massage, or you prefer to turn at lightning speed around three barrels in under 20 seconds, or you'd rather just spend two and a half minutes with a cow, or a couple cows, three cows, ideally, then the subject of your horse's top line affects your athlete and ultimately you as the rider. Hey
1: everyone, welcome back to Riding to Excellence, the Energy Equine Podcast. Today, we are welcoming back Bridget Meyer to the pod, the equine massage therapist behind Vitality Equine, who also happens to be the in-house massage therapist here at Energy Equine. So hi, Bridget. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me back. So for those of you that do not know Bridget, uh, if you wanted to listen to the first podcast we did a couple episodes ago, we've started a Muscles Matter series with her Um and I want to kind of start off with filling you a little more about what she does and who she is. So Bridget has always had a deep passion for science, anatomy, and of course, horses. She started out her journey in equine massage by obtaining a Bachelor of Science in biology and then became an equinology equine body worker before opening her own practice, Vitality Equine. Bridget has successfully collaborated with Energy Equine on numerous cases, and we love how she embraces the team approach. Bridget is well-known for working alongside numerous vets, trainers, farriers, and horse owners to ensure her equine clients are feeling at their very best. She actually was just here today working on a client with Dr. Kasaratov, so we wrangled her into the boardroom for a podcast session after the fact. Bridget's strong background in science and passion for collaboration and education are just two of the many reasons we chose to bring Bridget in as our in-house massage therapist late this fall, and we've been working closely with her this year to make sure all your horses are feeling their best. Today we are going to talk with Bridget about your horse's top line. So let's get right into it. Why did you decide to talk about the top line today on the podcast, Bridget?
0: Well, I decided the topic should be top line because as we come out of this grueling, cold, cold, never-ending bleep, bleep, bleep in <laughs> bleeper winter and approach springtime, it's time to buckle down and get ready for show season. Am I right? You're right. Amen. So... <laughs> Uh, Although many of you have already been training throughout the winter months, either in Canada or if you have been uh, lucky enough to be down south in Arizona or California or Florida. I am very jealous. And I know Louisa is too. so jealous. (laughs) Anyways, and now it's time to get our athletes to reach their optimal performance level. So if you like to pee off or passage or you prefer to turn at lightning speed around three barrels in under 20 seconds, or you'd rather just spend two and a half minutes with a cow or a couple cows, three cows, ideally, then the subject of your horse's top line affects your athlete and ultimately you
1: as the rider. Yeah, definitely. I think when everyone hears top line, they're like, that's, that's what they're working on. So every horse, no matter their discipline, uses their top line, obviously, so it's a great topic to discuss especially as we start getting into show season, which as Bridget alluded to, I think all of us are kind of seeing the beginnings of finally, but it's been a pretty long winter. So Bridget, why is it important for our horses to have a strong top line? Great question. Um, It's like I came up with this question myself. It's like you formulated a script for me.
0: Super job. You know, the obvious reason, and I think that it's an important reason, is aesthetics. I mean, it's important for our horses to have a strong top line because, you know, for one, let's just let's just admit it, it looks good. When our horses have a strong back, it looks good. Um, but obviously, performance, speaking on a performance level and on an athletic level, it's a pretty important place. Because that's where we sit on our horses, which is obvious. I mean, we're part of the sport of horseback riding, so you know. <laughs> but it's something so obvious that we kind of forget about that every time we jump on our horse, we typically jump on them with a saddle and then we ride them for, I don't know, 30 minutes to an hour. And we're going to start ramping up our training season. So we're probably, you know, riding them, starting to ride them again c- consistently five to six times a week, if not more. And, and yeah, every ride we, we have on them is on their backs. So they require a strong top line. Seems kind of obvious.
1: Yeah. But um, it's good to point out. It's good to point out. Cause originally I was like f- sitting here talking about this. I was like. What is a top line? Like, obviously, no, but we use it, you know, in every day. Like, I'm working on my horse's top line or, you know, the older horse, you see, like, their top line sagging. Ugh. But I'm like, wait, what is a top line? And then I'm like, okay, it's just their backs. So I'm like, oh, yeah. we're- I'm making it a little bit more scientific than I need to.
0: Yo, I do the same thing, though. I, like, the first thing, I, I know, take I off. Like, is it
1: the C7 to whatever eight vertebrae? Is that what she's going to talk about today? Oh, well,
0: spoiler alert. <laughs> we are going to
1: talk about vertebrae. <laughs> Perfect. Duh.
0: I was going to say, though, I feel like that's the first thing I look at in my horse. When I take out, like, for instance, this winter, and I take off their blanket for, you know, the, the second of tropical weather we have, um, I, I check out my horse's top line, and then I look at another muscle group that we'll get into right away that's directly related to top line. But totally. I think it's I, such an indicator of, it. like,
1: health, wellness, and fitness. You know, like, the minute their top line sags, that's when you start to see those, you know, hay bellies, and you're like, okay. Mm-hmm. I've, we need to get into our conditioning program. So, so what is the main function of our horse's back? Mm. I,
0: yeah, I would say the main function of our horse's back is, is not anatomically speaking. I'm going to take my science hat off for a second. It's going to, I'm going to put it back on though. Don't you fret. (laughs) Don't you frown. But I would say the main function of our horse's back is to be a connector. And our horse's back connects, quite simply, you know, our horse's forehand with their hind end. We have the power, the propulsive energy um, and force coming from the hind end, moving its way kinetically down the spine to provide forward impulsion, to provide... Um, lightness in the forehand. Not only that, it's also a connector between the left and right side of our horse. So we have, you know, if we look at the forelimb, for instance, we have the left forelimb whose shoulder is attached simply through soft tissue to the back. And that back needs the fibers, the muscle fibers, the neurons, the circulation system needs to communicate. What's happening in the left forehand with the right forehand, for the forelimb, excuse me. And then not only that, it also acts as a connector in another way, where that we briefly touched on already. It's the connection between the rider and the horse. Obviously, there's other connections with your heart, (laughs) with your hands, with your legs, with your reins, with your yada yada yada. But it's a it's a pretty massive connection. Your Nicki Minaj booty sits on that saddle, sits on that horse. Any movement you make, any movement your horse makes, it's the, one of the primary connectors is through the back. So you're starting to see that there's multiple planes of connection that the back has. It's not quite as straightforward as one would like it to be. It's pretty complex. Um, yeah, so I would say those, those three are the main um, connectors and that overall our horse's back connects all of the moving parts within our athletes.
1: Yeah, Mm -hmm. totally. So when, like when you're seeing, you know, someone ride, obviously you're seeing contraction. So when do their back muscles contract?
0: Yeah. Um, so I think to, to better answer this question, I'm just going to briefly review for those that haven't heard my spiel on what muscle contraction really is. And I think it's important to look at it on a cellular uh, tissue level so that you can understand what creates movement. And when Louisa asked me, you know, when do their back muscles contract? It's a, it's a very good way to start looking at the the tissues in your horse, because ultimately, um, you know, if we peel apart some layers and we get down to our horse's skeleton, um, and their skeleton is comprised of joints, there's flexion, there's extension. When we ask for movement or when your horse is moving, it's based on muscle contraction. So, um, the easiest example uh, to do is just to look at your own body, you know, if you look at your biceps muscle, um, between, um, your shoulder and your elbow, um, when you contract the biceps, AKA when you flex and point to the beach, that's when you, um, you close that, that elbow joint, you know, and you, um, you flex the elbow. So, and then you do the opposite motion when, you contract your triceps, which sits on the other side of your biceps and you extend that elbow. So that elbow joint, um, is simply moving because two different muscles are contracting and it's kind of sometimes hard to remember, but, um, that even if a joint is flexing or if it's extending, it's as a result of contraction. So it's a good to know when our when our horse's back muscles contract, and they contract, uh, in a way, how am I going to word this? Um, when your horse's back muscles are contracting, that is when your horse is in extension, and when they have a hollowed out back. So, what we actually want our horses to be doing. To have that well-rounded back that allows for the most hind end engagement is we want their opposing muscle group, their abdominal muscles to contract in order to flex the spine, which might, I I really, really want to use my hands to describe what I'm describing. Well, what you're talking does about that make is, sense? is
1: like a true, like a collection, like a truly proper collection, correct? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. they're... If you're using your abdominal muscles or if your horse is using their abdominal muscles they're engaged thus bringing the back up rounded and that's that strong top line we can kind of see from everything from english horses you know western pleasure like the whole gamut i think you see that in true collection
0: absolutely so i like to compare between homer simpson and zach efron so (laughs) okay (laughs) painting a picture um, Homer Simpson, if your horse is exhibiting Homer Simpson like um, top line, they are gonna have kind of that beer belly appearance. yeah,
1: a big like hay belly kind of
0: the hay belly look. And you're gonna look up at their spine and you're gonna see like it's kind of dipped down and it's not it's not that like beautiful, strong looking, back it's going to be the weaker sensitive palpation reduced range of motion um, kind of back and when you're when your horse is exhibiting yeah that homer simpson kind of look and their abs are not engaged and their back is totally extended it is really hard for them to then you know bring their pelvis, tuck their pelvis underneath themselves and bring themselves underneath themselves for that collection and for that optimal forehand or for that optimal forward impulsion and hind end engagement that we want all of our athletes to show. But if you have, you know, a Zach Efron type horse body figure, then you're going to have, um, a 16 pack or whatever he has. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the point is, is that he has abdominal muscles and those abdominal muscles will elevate um, your horses back and allow for that hind end engagement to occur. So I kind of want, I kind of, I chose the topic for top line because one of the biggest misconceptions is that, okay, yep, we're going to work our horse's back. We're going to engage their back. We're going to make sure that it's strong enough for me to, to ride it and to, um, so that it can connect, you know, the hind end to the front end, but it really comes from the actual contraction of the abdominal muscles that support the back.
1: Yeah. yeah. No, I'm, I'm right? getting it. I'm with you. You got yeah. it. I mean, when, so like when you have someone come to you, their horse, you know, they've been riding their horse, but it has that poor top line. Mm you're probably going to be suggesting more abdominal exercises
0: for sure. Horsey mm-hmm. sit-ups all day long.
1: Yeah. So it's just, to, it's to show you that that horse hasn't been carrying itself in the proper frame.
0: Yeah. They've kind of been when Lazy, I see that Homer Simpson, like that hom- laziness type. Yeah. Um, yeah, totally. And like, they've kind of been holding themselves in an inverted posture, Right. you know, and once you start kind like of carrying head up, yeah, yeah, head up giraffe, That being said though, you know, like you can, you can be working really hard and, you know, your horse might not have the, you know, the perfect top line. Cause you know what also plays a role in good top line and good abdominal engagement genetics. Okay. Like there's only so much we can do. Right. And I also believe that like, you know, I think looking at just doing the best we can do to make sure that we are activating their core and, and giving as much as possible to their back, but that it is, it is hard to achieve, especially in some of those bigger, warm blood, um, uh, thoroughbred type horses, mm-hmm. you know, cause they're just so big, their backs are so long. They require a lot of abdominal engagement, which is a lot of work. And it takes a lot of time to build up those back or those abdominal muscles to hold, to support that back. Because the one thing also to remember is that the back isn't even, isn't, isn't even just holding up the rider and the saddle. It's also, um, it's also attached to everything within their abdomen, their internal organs, their heart, their lungs, all sits below the back. So that also all needs to be lifted and carried by the contraction of abdominal muscles. So it's kind of, it's a big deal because it's the first area. Of course, it's the first area to go. You know, it's like when you stop going to the gym or whatever, you're like, what what, what muscles immediately lose tone? It's your friggin' core. <laughs> <laughs> it's a dressing in a purse. I'll tell you that right now. Oh, my God. And it's the same with our horses, you know? So, yeah.
1: Um, so you talked a lot about, you know, hind end impulsion and, you know, the power source from the hind end. So how does the back work with your horse's hind end?
0: Mm. Yeah. How do they work together? Yeah. It's important. It's important to note because like I've alluded to already, um, that power, a lot of our horse's power and thus movement comes from, um, hind end engagement. And it's something we're all obsessed with. Our trainer's always telling us, you know, maybe, you don't want a horse that's heavy on the forehand. That's not going to allow for the most dynamic movement. So the back really becomes a key player in, um, in helping that hind end, um, engagement. So, um, so I would say if we break it down anatomically a little bit, it'll allow us to take a look at how the back, um, affects, um, the hind end so on a bigger scale if you look at your horse or your friend's horse um, and you look at all of the muscles that sit on on their do- on their dorsal side so that means on on top of the neck on top of the back you kind of that encompasses the glutes the hamstrings, all of those are part of the dorsal chain of muscles. Makes sense. It's on the back. Dorsal means back in Latin. Um, and then you have um, the opposing chain, which is the ventral chain. And that's um, the chain of muscles that sits uh, on the underside of the neck, the pectorals, the abdominal muscles, the inner thighs. Um, and I like to look at it in, you know, and it's a really easy way for you to look at your horse in kind of, um, yeah, in, in quite simply an easier way because, um, those top muscles, those, that dorsal chain are extensor muscles. Um, whereas the abdominal chain, the ventral chain are flexors. So it's a good way to think of how those muscles are contracting. So if I, if our horse, he's the Homer Simpson horse, and of course it's like on a, on a big scale, no horse is You know, Homer Simpson drinking beer, watching TV all the time. And no horse is probably Zac Efron either, but, um, but yeah, so if we think about the dorsal chain, all the muscles of the back, um, when they're contracted, they extend the back, they invert the back. And when we think about the ventral chain and the abdominal muscles, and when they're contracted, they flex the spine. So you can do it yourself too. If you start squeezing your core inherently, your back starts rounding and that's kind of what, what we want to see with our horse as well. And we want our horses to round that spine and tuck their pelvis in and bend at their hips because this allows their hind limbs to go further underneath themselves, um, Being able to bring their hind limbs further underneath themselves because their pelvis is tucking and coming underneath themselves allows for a longer stride. And a longer stride also allows for um, more elastic energy to be carried in the hind limb um, in that maximal protraction phase to allow for more of, of a push off and more power to come from the hind end. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah,
1: I I mean, yeah, I guess you could frame it in a couple different disciplines, but... Yeah. You know, when you're turning a barrel, that optimal, you know, pelvic tilt around that barrel, you know, when you're jumping, you know, you're engaging both the back and that hind end to come up and over that jump and then land, you Mm know, I think for almost any true equine performance discipline you know you know the relationship between that power source and then the back and the lengthening and extension
0: yeah so if you're back so yeah so if we picture um worst case scenario and your horse's back is inverted so super hollowed out not engaged at the core the back is kind of dipped down it's going to be really hard for your horse to bring their hind limbs underneath themselves to mm-hmm. allow for that maximal hind end engagement. You're not going to s- get that power. You're not going to get that power. you. And it's not that your horse won't be able to walk or do what they have to do, but it's not going to allow for optimal performance. Cause you know, it's going to result in what usually happens is when I see horses carrying themselves like that. And to be honest, I see a lot of horses carrying themselves like that, especially in the jumper ring. Um, not as much as in dressage or in some of the cow sports, but I, I do see it quite frequently in the jumper ring and maybe the eventing ring too, mm-hmm. a little bit barrel racing, but You get a little bit of everything in the barrel racing world, don't you? (laughs) (laughs) Love you guys. Are
1: listening? Are like, what? What? what does that mean? I love it.
0: I mean that in like a you get them all:
1: big, small, cowy, huge, fast, turny. Yeah,
0: it's so true. They have so
1: many different types of horses that can be wicked barrel horses.
0: Absolutely, ain't that the truth?
1: Ain't that the truth?
0: So yeah, so and 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 yeah. To get back to my to my other point before I got just dis- now I actually did get distracted and forgot what I was going to say but um when you have a back that's totally um inverted and that hind end kind can't come underneath themselves oh yeah they're not performing optimally to what their biomechanics can do so you start getting compensatory mechanisms at play that start trying to make up for you know, that reduced ability to protract that hind limb and bring that hind limb underneath themselves. You start getting these really enlarged hamstring muscles because their horse is, is is engaging with their hip extensors instead of, um, instead of engaging with their abdominal muscles. And there's various other things that can happen, but one of the common things I see is overuse of the hamstrings. So, um, so yeah, so If you're riding your horse and they're not lifting their back upwards as a result of that abdominal contraction, then yeah, you're not, you're at risk of not only not developing their core, but causing more stress and pressure on their lower back resulting in this cyclical chain of various muscles compensating and less core engagement and less back um, activation too.
1: So what I know, like every horse is different and every discipline is also working towards something else. But, um, what are some common exercises you're giving your riders where, w- when it comes to top line issues, mm-hmm. do you have some that stand out that you're consistently recommending? Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, so I like to give a combo of horse, of
0: exercises you can do under saddle and then os- also, um, in hand, um, and one of the number one things you can do to promote abdominal activation and which, you know, which can be hard for riders to really feel like, is my horse engaging their core and are they lifting their back? Cause you're in a saddle. So you don't really feel that as well either. Maybe you do feel it better in an English saddle compared to a Western I'd imagine. Um, but would be ground poles or trot poles, poles, baby. (laughs) Did you know I was going to say that? Yeah. I was like, it's gotta be trot poles. It's gotta be or Cavaletti's raise Cavaletti's because that forces your horse to lift up their, their hind end and kind of get some of that hind end. Um, like flexion, like tucking of the pelvis and requires them to lift their core and what I find a lot actually, and I've, this has happened to me before with my own athlete. So I'm like, okay. We're gonna do trot pulls today. It's gonna be like boot camp. Like, let's go. I'm gonna set up friggin' a dozen trot poles. I'm
1: gonna try to figure out lengths. Yeah. I'm gonna wander around with poles in my hand, trying to figure out what we're gonna do. Yeah, today. different
0: distances. I look like the intense jumpers that are cutting out uh, cu- counting their strides yeah. in between jumps right <laughs> before a show. And um and yeah, and then I overdo it. Because I'm like, okay, I'm I'm back. It's day one. Like we're gonna get back into shape, and then I'm noticing, oh, my horse keeps, you know, their the the hind um the hind hooves keep hitting the cavalletti's or the trot poles, and um when you start getting to that point with your horse, they're fatigued. So it's like it's like if I ask you to, you know, start giving me high knees and um, and sit-ups to to not overdo it. Obviously, you know, I'm like, I don't want you to also like baby your athlete and only ask them to do three or something like that. But you really need to read what your horse is telling you when you start incorporating these gymnastic exercises with your athletes because it's so easy to be like, oh, well, why isn't he? You know, I, I've seen horses that are, you know, doing – Yeah. Dozens and dozens of trot pulls and they're doing fine and they're engaging their core and their back, but it takes a lot of time to get there. You know, we've said it before in our podcast and other pot, and I think in other riding to excellence groups, you've talked about, um, that, you know, things don't just happen overnight in terms of the training and conditioning, but I love that one. I also love, um, under, uh, in hand, the belly lift um hmm. uh, which you can find it on YouTube if you just type in belly lifts for horses and you'll see a bunch yeah, of Yeah, maybe
1: don't just type in belly lifts. Maybe just include that for horses. Four horses? I don't know what would show up. It'll oh. be some weird stuff.
0: I'm intrigued. I'm going to look it up right now.
1: <laughs> We're doing this live. We're not doing this live. It's probably just going to be like sit-ups. It's probably going to be like fit fam exercises. It's going to be fit fam. It could be belly dancing, belly That's lifts. That's what I'm thinking. Like, oh, so
0: okay. Well, see, my YouTube, it already, like, filled it out for horses. Oh. I was like,
1: nerd. You're a nerd. Nerd alert. Anyway. It is belly dancing. It is? Yeah, dude. Okay, so you guys can practice Click the your, second video. your belly dancing while your horses are doing their belly lifts. But this is the common one you often see massage therapists do where they run their hands. Our claim to fame. Yeah. Their that's hands it. That's, that's all we belly. got going for us. You ourselves. can kind of see that back pop up. Yeah. So Google that one. That's a good one.
0: Yeah, yeah, and if you have any questions on it, I'm happy to send you guys some more info. But that's a really good one because I call it the horsey sit-up because you're forcing, you're asking, not forcing, you're asking your <laughs> horse to engage their abdominal muscles and lift through that back, which is what you want them to do under saddle. So I don't know what these YouTube videos recommend, but I like to do my belly lifts. Um before a ride, you can do them after ride too, but if you're going to do one, I mean, both would be ideal, but if you're going to do one, doing it before a ride is ideal. Cause you're kind of activating, you're waking up that tissue. You're asking the, that nervous system to engage and for those muscles to engage as well. So that when you do, you know, pop on with your, with your saddle afterwards, all of their core muscles have already been warmed up.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then not as fatigued too. For sure. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah yeah fatigue is a big thing you know because
1: i mean think of our like we try not to say that horses are obviously not humans but what then what do can, you mean but they can't speak for themselves but i think when it comes to conditioning and this like getting into show season type era that we're kind of in right now with the podcast it's so like it's so easy to just relate it to if you go to the gym and you haven't worked out in three months and all of a sudden you do 150 sit-ups in a row like you're gonna just want to die after and yeah. you're gonna be sore for days and you know you might not want to do it again you might have hurt yourself in the process like it's so easy to it is a great example if we're overworking our horses it's just like if we overwork ourselves
0: mm-hmm. absolutely it's all you know you have to you have to listen to your horse, be an advocate for them and also realize, you know, there some of it comes to like in, intuitive training, you know, it's like, it's so easy to be like, um, okay, we're going to do a hundred belly lifts on day one or something like that. And then your whore, you know, that's not healthy, you know, it's like, it's like, don't do all or nothing like figure out something that works in between Mm -hmm. to avoid fatigue and also the number one thing that you got to start doing with your horse's top line if it's something that is on your agenda and you know one of your goals this year is to really develop their top line aka get their abdominal muscles contracting is one to not beat yourself up because it doesn't happen overnight I beat myself up every day, so I probably, you know, I'm hypercritical enough for all of us. So don't, don't beat (laughs) yourself up Two, is, yeah, it it, it doesn't happen overnight. And it also, um, it can change from, from day to day, just like, you know, if it's really warm outside, if they had enough to eat, that kind of thing does play a role in their, in their strength and conditioning, um, of the back muscles. And I had a third one, but then it kind of escaped me just now. I had a third point to make, but it's all right.
1: My, my kind of last question for you is, um, and I'm sure there's a myriad of answers, Mm. but I think a common thing that riders do is they're brushing their horse and they're brushing the back and they're seeing like the horse flinch, you know, Mm. like pain, a symptom or a sign of pain in the back. Mm -hmm. So when you're seeing that with your client horses, what is that kind of telling you?
0: Oh my gosh! That actually that that question hits me with all the feels because that is <laughs> that is the reason I got into equine massage. It's because my back, my back, no, my horse's back. Uh, when I finished a competitive trail race, and I was running my hands along his spine on either side, um, and I got kind of to that lower back area after the saddle. Um, he started flinching and showing um, spasmodic tissue in reaction to palpation. I was like, Oh my gosh, what's happening? What does this mean? I'm hurting him. And I'm like, yeah, I I mean, I probably was hurting him by saying on him and I see it all the time. And that spasmodic tissue is, um, and you see that kind of spasm, right? That's what, that is what you're talking about, right?
1: Yeah. Like that spasm, that flinching, flinching. So often see when you're brushing them or, Mm -hmm. So that is your horse's muscles don't know if they
0: should contract or if they should relax. So they have been, um, over stimulated overworked. And, um, so that when you touch them, the whole, the muscles are like, ah, should I, should I be relaxing or should I be contracting? So you get that spasmodic movement. And typically when you do see that in that area in that lower back, They probably, they resulted in back extension, which resulted, and they weren't using their core to support their spine. And that doesn't mean that throughout, you know, my 25 mile race or anything that Mac didn't, we didn't have core engagement, but that means that at some point in that race, his core muscles got fatigued and he gave up and it's easier. He overcompensated
1: in other areas.
0: Yeah. And then it's easier for them to just get inverted because... Right, because of how they are. Built. So it's a
1: it is a it can be an indicator of, not necessarily overworking, but you know overstimulation or compensating in other areas when they haven't been in that you know perfect form that we're kind of yeah. talking about today. Yep, totally. And you know what? Like maybe the next day it'll go away, yeah. but it's something for
0: you as a as a horse owner to keep in mind if you did experience that one day, and it didn't go away the next day, then there's still you know showing tension and restriction within that area and within other areas that they're not activating that's resulting in that tension there. Totally. Probably the core.
1: Yeah. Interesting. Mm. So for something like that, I would probably recommend a back on track mesh sheet and a massage from Vitality Equine. It's cheesy, but true, right? I mean, yeah, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Like that's the back on track obviously has that Welltex infused fabric that increases blood circulation and Brings it to the back, and then we got vitality coin massaging away. Yeah, getting those muscles moving.
0: Absolutely. I mean, the best way to promote is to help to, to help. Uh, there's many ways, but what a fantastic way to help reduce uh, spasmodic tissue and re- reduce restriction is increased circulation. So back on track does exactly that, and so does a massage. Is increasing the blood flow to allow for the lactic acid buildup in those contracted fibers to be released.
1: Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. And then kind of just wrapping it up. We're not going to get in, into it today because it's getting, it's getting long on us, this top line talk, but it's so key. Um Obviously Bridget said that genetics play a big role conditioning. And then of course, nutrition plays a big role in oh yeah muscling of your horse. You know, if you're, if you're working your horse like an athlete and you're not feeding them like one, you're not going to see the same results just again, like a human. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think that probably answered all our questions, right, Bridget? Mm Do you have anything to add on the topic of top line?
0: Well, I did realize that I didn't get to talk any anatomy, but that's okay.
1: That's okay.
0: Because it's really hard to explain anatomy over the pod anyway.
1: Yeah, the pod, the pod struggles with anatomy a little bit. Mm -hmm. We'll start doing some YouTube pods.
0: But, but yeah, two things. One, is it a surprise? Is it a surprise or is it, you know? That core balance is called core balance Ooh, the way
1: it is. That was a good plug. I mean, is it? I, I don't, don't know. know. You were just saying that like, nutrition them. plays a role. I'm like, core balance. Wow. Core. Your core is balance. I will say that Dr. Hewlett and Dr. Toth, just because of the winter we're having, um, people are struggling to kind of get out and get their horses worked, have been recommending oh, yoy, yoy. Core Builder, which is just an amazing supplement that that core balance line has to help build muscle and top line and it is a non a non-steroid so it obviously does not test and is all natural so another great option to kind of contact us and ask us a little bit about that if you're coming out of this polar vortex and you want to do exactly what bridget said and really work your horse but you want to make sure that the, their nutrition is up to par as well definitely talk to your vet no matter who your vet is
0: <laughs> core core builder to build your core to
1: build your core that's i'm sure exactly that's what um
0: that's a palindrome <laughs> core builder builder core
1: oh okay
0: <laughs> listeners unfamiliar with the palindrome
1: I'm, no i'm like i'm staring at I'm you like i
0: need to google palindrome palindrome is like um if you spell anna a-n-n-a it spells the same thing like forward no, we, and backwards that's what
1: i thought core builder is not that no
0: I, she's writing it out now but i mean like core builder builder core with the words
1: no that's not what you're saying we're saying you're saying two different things <laughs> saying
0: core builder builder core I am you doing it with the words, I not see, the letters. I see, with the
1: words, not the letters. With <laughs> the letters, it's called something else. It is race car. It is race car backwards as well. No way. Yeah, but that's not called a palindrome. It's called something else. I don't know. We'll have to Google it. Um, English is a fascinating language. Isn't it? Crazy. So to wrap it up, guys, this uh, this podcast is going to hit your earwaves and airwaves early uh, next week from when we're recording it, so the 18th or the 19th. Um the 23rd is the sports therapy lecture number three for 2019 ulcers and the equine athlete. That's going to be a great day. We are once again sold out. If you guys have been missing the notifications and not being able to get tickets to those events, cause they've been selling out in record form this year, make sure to send us your emails. You can shoot us an email at eeoffice at energy or you can just shoot us an email on Facebook. We're pretty tech savvy, obviously. Uh, we're also excited because on March 30th, we are having a dissection specifically for registered veterinary technicians and students in RVT programs. So although that's not uh, welcome to the public, or not welcome, you guys are not, not that you're not welcome, but it's not open to the public. Uh, It is part of our professional learning series, and we host multiple dissections and events for veterinarians and other professionals in the industry throughout the year. So the end of March is going to be a pretty big learning, learning experience for everybody. And we did get a lot of requests to do a podcast on ulcers. So kind of once we, um, get through the 23rd and we figure out what all these experts have to say, we'll kind of pull that knowledge together and get that up for you early April. Awesome. I'm so excited. I I can't wait for the ulcer talk. I think it's It's going to be a pretty heavy day. Yeah. Intense day, intense learning, you know, bring your get a good good night's sleep the night before is what i try to tell people because you end up sitting and taking a lot in on those big days but i think they're just so valuable and so fun
0: lots of notes and also they're definitely going to talk about top line there how that affects that and abdominal
1: yeah tina Watkins will be coming and talking about how ulceration affects the performance horse as a whole and yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be a good day it's gonna be good okay brig thanks for uh episode number two of muscle matters in riding to excellence i think we're on episode number nine or ten we're really rolling through the year it's awesome riding to excellence is on and popping i'm so excited that's great thanks for thanks for coming in today all right guys we'll talk to you later